0: Welcome to our next episode of the Five Moments of Need Performance Matters series. This is Bob Mosier, one of the many co-hosts you'll meet throughout this series. So, friends, are you trying to learn more about the Five Moments of Need? Maybe how to design for them, implement for them, measure them, and even sell them as an approach to your enterprise? Well, in the Performance Matters series, we will help you better understand the theory and best practices behind this powerful methodology and offer proven ways to put the five moments of need into practice. Friends, welcome back to another Performance Matters podcast. Bob Mosier here, one of your co-hosts, as was introduced in the intro. It's so great to have you here. We do wish you are safe and well in this crazy time. I am ecstatic today to be joined by my dear friend and mentor and business colleague, Dr. Conn Godferson. Conn, how are you doing? Great.
1: We're going to talk
0: about something really
1: important today. So, looking forward to the discussion, Bob.
0: I agree, my friend. This has been a pet peeve of mine, Con, forever. I struggled with this <laughs> back when I was in training. I,
1: yeah, I know. We've, we've um, talked about it again and again and again, haven't we?
0: We have soft skills and leadership. You know, it, it, one of the most common myths we get about performance support is that, oh, it's procedural. Oh yeah, we see all these procedural stuff. The old days of embedded technology and software. Oh, get it! I totally get it. I can see why an EPSS would be helpful there. But there's no way in soft skills, performance support can be helpful. Let's run at this one, Con, in a in a powerful way because it is ridiculous that yeah. we have that. They have that misunderstanding. Where do you, where do you think that comes from, Khan?
1: Well, I think that where people are grounded in a lot of procedural stuff. When it comes to performance support, when our initial thought about performance support is a job aid that helps you go through and do something. And so that's been a lot of the application that people have had experience with. But goodness gracious, things like leadership is anything but soft. And we do know that leaders have tactical work that they have to do. And that's crucial for us to understand because that work can be documented as tasks, they're just principle-based tasks, not procedural.
0: Well, and this is where I think leadership training falls short. We've looked at how many competency-based leadership training programs, oh, yeah. and, and, and by the way, nothing wrong with, we don't. it's not that we don't agree that leaders have competencies, but the problem is for such an important role, for such a crucial training program to any organization, this is one that I think leaves its learners lacking or wanting maybe more than any other program leaders exhibit competencies through performance right. through behavior I,
1: right yeah and i can't imagine a leader walking out of a course on being approachable and then going okay i'm going to be approachable right now <laughs> you know uh, being approachable has to do with how you are in the context of the work that you do just like all the other competencies out there, they are applied in the doing part of leadership,
0: not in isolation. And that's what we have to get through today. I mean, that whole idea that leaders in the soft skill side is what this is about is where we leave them hanging. It's yeah. soft skill implies abstract by its nature. Soft yeah. skill implies soft and squishy by its nature. Soft skill implies that, to your point, it's not a hard skill. Right. And so we get the fact. And I, and I, what I love where you've gone with this for years, Khan, is I would actually wish our industry would adopt this from a, a thinking perspective is let's get away from soft skills. Because by the way, we don't call the other area hard skills. The other area is, I get it procedural based. Why can't we call leadership principle based?
1: Right. 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 And frankly, leaders also do procedural work and sometimes, <laughs> sometimes. There is a task that is both procedural and principle-based. So from a a world of instructional design and all of that, it doesn't break apart so cleanly as, ah, this is a soft skill and this is a hard skill. No, it's we do it all.
0: But you know what, Con, because we don't understand the workflow of a leader in a lot of organizations, one thing we hear a lot is that they get mired in the procedural stuff and they never do get to lead. Yeah. When they when they go to leadership trainings, it's about the cerebral stuff, it's about the principles they should be exhibiting, it's about the competencies that they should have internalized and do. But then they go back to their desks and they get mired in forms and feedbacks and scheduling and hiring and so on because the organization hasn't separated process and procedures of being a leader from the values and competencies they hope they exhibit. And they make them do this huge quantum cognitive leap between the principles of leadership and then the reality of leadership in the workflow. And so RWA fits here, doesn't it? Rapid workflow analysis fits in this context.
1: Well, frankly, Bob, you and I know that most of the work that we do is the, quote, soft skills in those principle-based work. There are very few projects that we work on that there isn't somewhere in that principle-based support, and some of it is that's the majority of the work. I think people have not had a lot of experience in developing the instructions for applying principles and accomplishing work, and that's where it gets a little difficult. I, I remember a project. We had done a rapid workflow analysis. We'd map the workflow, and we had these principle-based tasks, and the team that I was working with said, there are no steps. <laughs> and I said, well, okay, I'm brand new, and you're going to train me in this. So what's the first thing that I do? And they told me. I said, that's a step. <laughs> and then they said, after I've done this, what next? And they said, well, you would do this. I go, that's a step. It's a principle-based step. And they got it.
0: Well, and I mean, let's broaden this a bit before we go a bit deeper. Sales training, oh. principle-based, principle a lot of soft skills. Uh, yeah, how, how to handle objections, how to make your pitch. Yeah. To, and the reality is, maybe, maybe just maybe, con a lot of sales reps fail at becoming good sales folks because even in that realm, we don't take the principles of selling, right, and put them into a tactical way in which they can take those principles of sales. And put them into process in a way that's meaningful and tactical for them.
1: Yeah. And you know, Bob, for new leaders, leaders who are new, where they're just stepping into the leadership world, they are especially in need of tactical help so that they can lift themselves above that as experienced leaders are able to do, because experienced leaders have figured out the tactical stuff, they've learned how to delegate. They figured out that, and so they are able to free up that higher order processing and thinking that leaders need to have time to do, of innovation and of looking at the competitive landscape and figuring out how how should we adapt, how should we adjust. That's where leaders need to be, and we need to help them be able to step away from this more tactical work with a digital coach, an EPSS.
0: So tell me more about this journey from competencies. They have ruled the leadership landscape forever. There's organizations that sell them. There's organizations that have competency models. And, and again, I, I don't think, I want to be sure we're careful here. We are not saying that we do not feel that the leadership is backed by and supported by competencies. Candidly, any job is supported by competencies. Absolutely. This, this, this world in particular, very, very heavy in competency training. And and it's what a lot of leadership is based on. So I'm sitting out there listening to this, Con, and I've got that curriculum. I've got my handling objections, being empathetic, all that kind of stuff. And and, and so I'm looking at that curriculum. What's the journey from there to here? What what do they have to consider, my friend?
1: They certainly need to be taught. There's nothing wrong about teaching those attributes or those competencies and focusing in and helping them learn how to express those and and so forth, but they also need context. they need to be able to take those competencies and, in the context of their work, be reminded of those competencies to have them reinforced in the context of where they make sense. In every project that we worked with, where there are competencies involved, we identify the tactical work that the leader does, and then we map them to the competencies. And that informs us as we write and develop the steps, the principle-based steps of any given task associated with leadership, because we want to tie to those competencies. We want to reference them. And then if they have struggled, one of the things that we talk about is a quick check. It's where when something goes wrong or when you get through and you go, that didn't go well, that conversation, that crucial conversation that I just had. Well, I pull up a quick check and move through, and I identify where it went wrong, and that ties me to the competency or the competencies associated with that, and then I'm able to go in with performance support and access and remind myself of those principles. The same from a planning perspective. I'm going in, I'm going to have a crucial conversation. I can pull up all of the guidance of those various competencies that are employed in the principle guidance that the performance support is providing me.
0: Well, let's be sure we review what you just said, because this is a critical part of a misunderstanding, another myth of performance support, and that is unless it's embedded in the moment, unless it pops up on my screen, appears on my mobile or embeds in software, at the moment of application, if it can't meet that immediate need, then it's not performance support. We've learned through help of, an, of another colleague, Alison Rossett, and her wonderful book on performance support, the work that you've done on things like quick checks and so on, that the journey to support is not one of only immediacy in the moment. Because adults can process, plan, and also remediate, the power to remediate that adults yep. can do, there really are three phases of where performance support steps in, particularly in leadership. There's, yeah. the, there's the planning before, minutes before a, a performance appraisal, these types of things that we know are scheduled and will happen an end of year review, all these kinds of things. Of course, there's during if possible, but often leadership is face time. It's very in the moment. It, there's the intimacy to it where performance support may not be applicable, but after in remediation, when a, a moment goes bad or I did something okay and want to get better, if I can have that digital coach there seconds, minutes after that moment ends and I walk away, My ability to refresh, associate, remediate and get better at the next time I do it is powerful. So before, some during, but also after are places where things like a digital coach and performance support can support things like leadership in a remarkable way.
1: Yeah, Bob, what you've just described is a continuous improvement plan. (laughs) Goodness, if I can plan and go in and then do it and then check myself against that and then find the feedback and the remediation that i need i'm on a journey of continually improving
0: so digital coach my friend take yeah. a second to go deeper here oh my gosh bob it's soft skills it's not it it's da, 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 you know all that kind of stuff how can a digital coach possibly help a manager who wanders the halls who sits in his office who goes out and meets people in their office kind of stuff Again, I think this is because of a narrow view of what a digital coach means. And of course, people linking it back to software and popping up in a CRM while I'm trying to sell. How does a digital coach help a leader lead? First of all, we've talked about how the
1: tactical work that a leader does, if we've got a performance support system in place to help them be able to not worry about that, but with two clicks, 10 seconds, I can get to anything that I need to do that tactical work. Then that allows me the time to move to these higher order thinking. But also in that tactical work, it's important to understand that there are two areas of that tactical work. There's where I'm actually leading a team and I've got to to strengthen them. I've got to manage their development. I've got to develop personally. I've got to help them develop. I've got to build my bench, those kinds of things. That's leading whoever I'm responsible for. But then I've got to do the work of the organization, the leadership work of the organization. I've got to be able to manage operations or grow the market or manage opportunities or whatever that work is. That's my leadership. And all of that can be supported. Two clicks, 10 seconds, I get to the principle-based steps I can get to the resources, everything that I need to help me in that in that journey, and w- when you do that, then the ability to onboard leaders, the ability to support them as they move through their leadership responsibilities is significant
0: so con, most leadership programs involve mentoring of others. most good leaders are don't stand alone in leading they have sub-leaders. I have an administ- uh, people that help me manage and so on and other things. They can take a load off of me as a leader, this type of stuff. How does this approach help and support effective leaders developing others?
1: Oh, that's a great question, Bob. I was working with a leadership team and they were just so overloaded with all the tactical work that they needed to do. And they had a team. I said, so how are you delegating? They said, it's really hard. I said, well, you can delegate with a digital coach. You've got two clicks, 10 seconds. You can get to the steps and to the resources. And you can just take that and delegate that to someone and say, I want you to complete these three steps of this task for me. And I'd like them completed then. And that person that I'm delegating to then has access to all the resources she or he needs to be able to complete those steps in that task. Because we've got task based support and in there, then I can also look as a leader at all the things that I do and I can look at my team and I can use that digital coach to help me identify areas where tactically I need to develop others. And so as I mentor others in their growth and development, I can use that coach, if you will, to do that mentoring and to provide the coaching that I need to.
0: So kind of how does critical skills analysis fit into this? Is it similar in nature to what we've talked about before in procedural stuff? Yeah. And
1: actually, critical impact of failure helps me sort out who I delegate to and how I mentor. And in my coaching, a leader can't coach on everything. But goodness gracious, if there are some areas where the critical impact of failure is significant to catastrophic, that's going to affect the health and the well-being of my team and our ability to do what we need to do. And so I can target my coaching or I can even delegate coaching of things where the critical nature isn't so great to others and not worry about that. If they fail, they fail. And my mentoring, I can hone in that mentoring in terms of, okay, you want to grow into this leadership position. Here's what you need to really be expert at. So the critical impact of failure helps me focus as a leader what it is I need to focus on and delegating, mentoring, and coaching.
0: You know, I think two of the greatest gifts that this gives to leadership are the following. I think, number one, it makes like all this does when we do an RWA, Rapid Workflow Analysis, is it makes the job transparent. Yep. It shows the organization for the first time, not just the competencies of leadership, but the process and workflow of leadership of which competencies support. And we've time and time again had the work of leadership materialized through this activity. I think that's that's super important. I think the other one, Con, that you've hit on multiple times through this podcast is that leadership isn't cerebral. You don't come into your desk and go, I'm going to sit behind my desk and lead today. You get out in the trenches and you do it, and it involves a significant amount of tactical work. Yeah. And, And that's never addressed in leadership training from the standpoint of the burden, the understanding, how to delegate that, how to do those and lift the cognitive load that's put on on leaders to lead through those tactical moments so that they can do the higher level thinking and higher level stuff around what leadership has to do.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So performance support, soft skills, there's (laughs) potential here.
1: Yeah, (laughs) more than potential. It's what we need. There is so much waste going on because we stop short of application. We train leaders in these wonderful principles, these crucial principles of leadership, and then we leave it to them to figure out how to implement that in their day-to-day work. And we can't do that. We shouldn't do that. We have an opportunity here to extend what it is that we do in the name of developing leaders into the flow of work to allow them to be able to know where and when they can apply those principles or those attributes that we have identified are crucial
0: in the leadership process. I couldn't have said it better, and I'm not going to try. <laughs> thank Con. As always, thank you thank so much. Thank you. Great concept. Great having you here. Appreciate your insights as always. Thanks, Bob. Well, that's it for this episode of the Five Moments of Need Performance Matters series. We look forward to future conversations around how to best put the five moments of need into practice. We welcome your feedback and can be reached on Twitter using my Twitter handle at B M O S H, as well as our five moments of need website, which is wwwthenumber five moments We hope you're finding these helpful and we'll subscribe to future episodes. Have a great day friends.